Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again today and say to you, first of all, Happy New Year, and we are believing God for some phenomenal shift, I believe, in the heavens and in the earth in this season. I feel like the Lord has dropped a few things in my heart for us for this season as we start this new year, and uh, much of the text that I'm going to take is going to come from really what would be, I guess, commonly called the Christmas story. We're going to read from Luke 1 and Luke chapter 2 and, and bring some principles that I feel like the Lord really made real to my heart. and. Uh, you know, just share with you some concepts that I think will help us to understand the season that we are in. Uh, I want to say to you, though, from the very outset, thank you so much for your your continued support to our ministry. The 10th of January will signal, I believe it is, let me see, I'm looking at the date here, the the, uh, 10th of January will signal the beginning, or let's see, that would be the 12th year that we have been on national television, and uh, that is nothing short of uh, a, a miracle to to have uh, remained on the air, and that's because of your partnership. Those of you who watch us uh, on a regular basis know that we very seldom uh, send out letters. We don't really uh, do but maybe one or two constant contacts a year to just keep you up to date. And we don't spend but about 30 seconds, maybe to a minute, uh, asking for help for the program. But just because we do not does not mean we do not need you or we don't need your partnership. We do need it. So at the end of the program, if you would like to, you can go to our website and uh, there's a place there where you can sign up to become a monthly partner where you could actually give uh, via credit card or debit card and set up a monthly debit if you'd like or a one-time gift. I just thought I would mention that at the beginning because once again, we're going to begin to celebrate 12 years. We went on the air, I believe it was in January the 10th in 2010, and here we are 12, uh, 12 years later and still on the air, and that's nothing short of a miracle, so thank you for, so much for that. Let me begin to share the Word, because I want to, I want to start in uh, the Gospel of Luke, and this uh, uh, story is so powerful to me, and there's so many principles that I want to draw out from it that I think will bless us and be relevant to us today. But verse 1 of Luke chapter 1 says, "...inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order the narrative of, uh, uh, the narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us." Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things, from the very first to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. There was in the days of Herod the king of Judah a certain priest by the name of Zacharias, of the division of Abijah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Now, Zacharias's name means God has remembered. And what I want you to see is they are coming to a season where they're coming out of the, the dark ages, where God has not spoken to Israel 
for almost 400 years from the closing of the book of Malachi. There has been no open vision and God has not spoke. So this is one of the, this will be uh, the, uh, the breaking of the silence where God begins to speak. And he speaks to a man whom is in the midst of, uh, if you will, uh, Roman captivity in a season of great stress, distress, and calamity. And he is going through uh, the office of the priesthood, and his name means God has remembered. There are probably a lot of people who are watching me today, and you feel like You've been going through a lot of things and it almost seems as if God has forgotten you. But I want to tell you, God has not forgotten His people. And He's about to visit, I believe, to fulfill many promises that were about to come to pass. Now Elizabeth was, uh, of, the, uh, was, was of the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. So there are a priestly uh, um, heritage on both sides of this equation. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. They were blameless, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. And so it was while he was serving as the priest before God in, in, in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot to fell, fell to burn incense. And when he went into the temple of the Lord... And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside of the door at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Now, uh, I want us to, to kind of, uh, let me just read a little bit more. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias. Your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you will call his name John, and, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn the many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him into the power... Uh, well, I've lost my spot there now... Uh, he will turn many of them to the hearts. He the, he will turn many of them uh, of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the children. To, I'm sorry, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Now let me just uh, make a few uh, statements here as we come down through this. Once again, they are in a time of great distress. But it is the time of Zacharias to go into the temple to offer incense. And while he is offering the incense, the people are outside of the door of the tabernacle at the hour of incense, and they are offering up prayers. One of the things the Lord began to say to me is that sometimes it's hard to praise God in the midst of conflict. But you know what? I think sometimes what happens is that when we start to praise, you know, let me, let me say this. I guess I, I assume a lot of times people understand things that they really don't. But when I'm thinking about incense, uh, the Old Testament picture of incense really is a powerful picture of our praise and worship, our prayer, praise, 
and worship. And it is in that atmosphere of prayer and praise and worship that sometimes you may seem like it is just, uh, you know, as, as you see here, uh, he, he did that as was his custom. I think there's some things that it's good to have a custom to. You know, I know it seems as if people have almost gotten away from the faithfulness to the house of the Lord. But, you know, I, I even read places where it talks about Jesus. And it said, and he went to the synagogue on the first day of the week, as was his custom. I think sometimes it's good to have some customs and some traditions that we are continually doing. I think it's good for us to be in the house of the Lord and the house of prayer. I think really there's a, a call of the Lord to return back to the house of the Lord and back to uh, the fellowship of the saints and being in an atmosphere of praise and worship. But it was in this atmosphere of praise and worship that God was about to release a word and something was about to happen. Uh, you know, I, I, I had listened to uh, a message that somebody had preached. I forget exactly uh, the guy's name that had preached. Somebody had sent it to me via Facebook. And they were talking about wells that were being released to pump and uh, that uh, one of the things that was going to create an environment for a move of God was going to be when they begin to reopen the wells of prayer, praise, and worship. That when we start to seek God, you know, I sometimes think that we count that, you know, we'll say things like, well, all we can do now is pray. Well, that ought to be the first thing we do, is that prayer changes things. And I think sometimes we take it for granted, and uh, I really feel almost a little conviction myself in the sense of uh, a really, uh, you know, seriously getting before the Lord at times in prayer. And I have been in this season, especially as I, you know, I normally don't travel much for the month of December. It's kind of a vacation time for me. Churches are having Christmas programs and stuff is going on, and they don't have extra meetings where uh, I'm glad they don't because it gives me that month of sabbatical just to be off and be before the Lord. But I really feel like in this season I have pondered a lot. And I've thought about uh, the things that are going on in our world and the condition of our world. And it seems like we come to a place and this even this, this COVID thing is dragging on and on and on. And it just uh, sometimes it weighs so heavily on me. But I really felt like even towards the end of the year as we would get so many prayer requests and people asking us to pray uh, for their loved ones who are either in the hospitals or sick, not, not necessarily with COVID, but with many things that we really began to, and we always have, but uh, we've just really felt like a real, you know, if I, if I tell you I'm going to pray about something, I, I seriously mean it. I, I'm going to pray about that. And a lot of times I will follow up if I can have the time to follow up. I have so many requests, it's hard to follow up. But to follow up and pray for people who are really going through some stuff because it's in the midst of that that we're offering up the incense before God. But I want you to see sometimes it's, it's good not just to pray and ask God for something, but the time of incense to offering up praise and thanksgiving for what God has already done. You know, there are so many times that when we are in the trenches of stress and distress and loved ones sick and people passing away, that it is easy to get a mindset that says, God is not doing anything. Where are you at, God? Can you imagine how... Elizabeth and Zacharias felt as they had been waiting on God for many years to have a child, and they were childless. They, it seemed like the promise of God was not going to come to pass, but 
while God might be seemingly delayed, He's still on time. You know, my pastor said something yesterday about, uh, you know, a timing, and she was talking about in her sermon how that, uh, you know, for Mary, God was too early. For Elizabeth, God was too late. But for the world, He was right on time. And you would think that, you know, with Elizabeth and Zechariah, it just seemed like, God, this is too late. You know, I almost have to laugh sometimes when I think in the Scripture says, and they were both well old and well stricken in years. When the Bible says you're old, you're probably old. You know, I can remember my mother before she, she passed away. She said, you know, she said to me one time, she said, have you ever noticed that there's not very many old people around anymore? And I said, Mom, when there's nobody above you, you are the old people. And so that kind of dawns on me as both of my parents have gone on to be with the Lord that I might just be hitting that stage where I'm part of the old people. But when I think about that, they had waited on the promise of God for, uh, you know, many, many years and nothing was happening. But yet as he enters the course of his priesthood, and he's offering incense, and in the atmosphere of praise and worship, and in the atmosphere of prayer, God begins to release something in the earth that had been prophesied by the prophet Malachi. See, the last word God had said was, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord, and he'll prepare the way of the Lord. He'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. And uh, he talks about the messenger of the covenant that he will send. That messenger of the covenant that he would send was John the Baptist. It was God sending the messenger. And if, if you go back and you read uh, Malachi 3 and 4, where it talks about, you know, the voice of one crying in the wilderness and the messenger of the covenant and, and preparing the way, and I'll send you Elijah the prophet. This, this scripture, Luke 1, literally tells you that when, uh, th that when God begins to release this word to Zechariah, that it was a fulfillment of the last thing God had said to Israel before the heavens went silent. Now, I don't know, uh, you know, we, we may miss this point being in our, you know, uh, modern day, but these people knew the Scriptures, and you would think that you would have thought they would have known that when John the Baptist showed up on the scene, and there's really not been a word from heaven in over 400 years, what they called the dark ages, that now you have John the Baptist who's coming on the scene. God is about to give birth to a messenger who's going to begin with his opening message to say, repent, change the way you think is what the word repent means there, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, in, in other words, John is declaring to them the king, when he says repent, he's talking about you need to change the way you think. Change the way you think about what, John? You need to change the way you think about the kingdom because the kingdom was the government of heaven that was about to invade this planet and it was about to replace the government of law under Moses. So when he's talking about repentance, he's talking about a turning from an old covenant paradigm to a new covenant, and he's going to be the very one who introduces Jesus, who is, as he stands on the bank of the Jordan River, says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let me just say quickly while I'm here that this book, From Law to Grace, which is available 
on our website. It's also available on Amazon or by calling the number on the screen. Takes that whole Matthew chapter 3 text where John the Baptist is talking about a shift from law to grace, a shift or a repentance from law and a turning toward the kingdom. Let me just say this, see, because repentance is not just what you turned from. See, if you're going to repent, that means you're going to turn about, you're going to change one's bent, you're going to change the way you think. And a lot of times we think of that in terms of, well, I repented of my sin when I got saved, and that's all well and good. I'm not taking anything from that. But I really believe that even in this hour, there should have already been a shift in the thinking of God's people that we start to look towards repenting from, you know, to me it's a tragedy. We're in 2022 and having to teach people that we're not under the old covenant. It's time for a mind shift. And when I wrote this book, the Lord spoke to me and He said, the kingdom of God is one mind shift away. When John said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that was 2,000 and some years ago. And He said it's within your reach, not, not, not just some future generation, but that first century group of people had access to the kingdom because the king of the kingdom was about to be introduced by John the Baptist, and his job was to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Some of them turned their hearts. Some of them did not. And John uh, Malachi prophesied that if they didn't, that he would come and smite the earth with a curse, which he did that. In AD 70, the curses of Deuteronomy came upon them as a result of them rejecting their offer to come back into relationship with God as their father because Jesus came to introduce a concept about God that He's not just an austere old man on a Victorian chair with a club, but He is Abba. He is our Father. And if we could turn our hearts to Him, He's already turned His heart to us. And I think you could also apply some of the the principles of them uh, turning the hearts of the fathers, you know, because he talks about in the book of Peter that since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were, then there didn't seem to be any change. People were not shifting. But what I'm simply saying is this, is that he was the fulfillment of this massive paradigm shift, the introduction of the kingdom. And when he says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, he was announcing the, the, that, that a lot of the prophetic promises of the coming of the kingdom and a lot of the prophetic promises of, of, uh, of, uh, uh, of a new covenant was about to come on the scene. Now let me just, let me just uh, sh- sh- uh, get a few principles here of, of this as well. And it talks about they were both well advanced in years. So it was while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense. And when he went into the temple of the Lord, and the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. But fear fell upon him. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. See, those are fulfillments of 
Malachi 3 and 4, to prepare the way of the Lord. Behold, the messenger I sent before you to prepare the way of the Lord, and he was also the fulfillment of Malachi chapter 4. I will send you Elijah the prophet. Jesus later says, when they ask him concerning John, he plainly tells them, he, they said, well, they came to Jesus and they said, well, you know, the prophets say that Elijah must first come. And Jesus looks at him and he tells him plainly, John the Baptist is Elijah, if you can hear it. And so you see this is a fulfillment of Malachi chapter 3 and chapter 4. To me, if that doesn't make you be a believer in the Word of God, I don't know what should, because when you start seeing that these prophets prophesied this stuff and it begins to come to pass verbatim, uh, you know, even as Zechariah prophesied, Behold, your king comes to you riding on an ass, the colt, the foal of an ass. And then you see Jesus riding on Palm Sunday on a colt. And you see that in Zechariah he prophesies again and says, you know, uh, he says, uh, that, that what will you give me to buy me out of the covenant? And they wait out for me 30 pieces of silver. And you see Judas sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. I mean, something ought to ring bells and whistles in the minds of these people standing here to know that this is the time that was appointed and the time is at hand that you've waited a long time, but it is right now upon you. So you see that as the fulfillment of the Malachi prophecies that God was about to do something imminent at that moment to bring the kingdom into the earth, to bring peace and goodwill toward men. Now watch this. He goes on to say, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Now they told him to name him John. He said his name will be called John. And uh, <coughs> it says, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, was sent to speak to you and bring these glad tidings. Behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people, uh, uh, and the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and, and remained speechless. So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. Now after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she had, had hid herself for five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach. Now let me just say, let me finish reading this. And now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent to God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you, and blessed are you among women. And when he saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now, I, I think I'm not going to be able to cover all of this in this segment, so we're going to come back and talk about it some more. But what I want you to see is, is that God began to promise him a son. And God said that you're going to have a son and you will call his name. He told uh, uh, Zacharias, your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You will call his name John. Now, what I think is incredible is that John was not a family name. As we get on down through here, and they are about to name this child, they are going. They would. They, they, they would. They, they, they thought they would name him Zechariah Jr. In other words, we're going to name him after the same old system and pattern that we've named him before this. But God spoke to Zechariah and said, "You're not going to call him Zechariah Jr. 
you're going to call his name John. Now, I think that's incredible because John's name means love or grace. Because what's going to proceed and announce the coming of the Messiah is going to be a messenger by the name of John, whose name means love or grace. Because what God is doing in this hour, I believe, is silencing many ministries who don't know what to name this baby. They don't know what to call the move of God that is upon us. They want to call it Zechariah Jr. They want to call back an Elijah the prophet, or they want to call back an old covenant paradigm. But what happened was John was the last of the old covenant prophets, and he was announcing a new covenant and a new day. And God said to Zechariah, you're going to be mute. In other words, I'm going to silence you, and you're not going to have nothing to say until you know what to call this baby. And I really believe that we have a season right now in this time of great distress that people don't know what to call what God is doing. It's like their preachers are completely out of their paradigm, and it's as if God has shut their mouths and silenced them. I mean, there's a whole lot of noise going on, but the reality of it is is that when Zechariah and Elizabeth give birth to this son, and they ask him, what are you going to call him? They said, there's nobody in, that, in the family with that name. All of a sudden, God loosed the tongue of Zacharias and said, his name will be called John. In other words, I believe God is about to loose the tongues of a lot of preachers to begin to preach the message of love and grace. It has not necessarily been popular when it really should have been the message of the hour. Because the only thing that's going to precede a move of God is when we start to declare favor, even when favor don't look like favor. We're going to get into this in the next segment. But when God said to Mary, you are highly favored, sometimes favor don't look like favor. Sometimes it looks like a crisis. But just don't make any mistake about it. Just because it may not look like favor does not mean it's not favor. And so when God began to declare favor, uh, you know, He said, Thou art highly favored. Sometimes favor doesn't look like favor. Sometimes it doesn't look like God is on time. Sometimes it looks like delay is denial. But delay is not denial. It is God bringing His timing for America, for John and, or I'm sorry, for Zechariah and Elizabeth, God was too late. For Mary, He was too early. But for the people of the world, He was right on time. And according to the appointed time that was given, God showed up in the middle of chaotic season and chaotic time and said, Thou art highly favored. Jesus preached the message in the temple, His first public message. He stood up and said, Go get me the book of Isaiah. And He found the place where He declared, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to declare the year of the favor of our God. And He did that in the midst of Roman occupation, in the midst of great chaos and pressure. But He declared favor because what you preach, sir, and ma'am, will manifest. If you preach on devils, devils will show up. If you preach favor, favor shows up. Well, we're about out of time. Thank you for joining us this week, and uh, uh, if you would like to sow a seed, as I shared in the beginning of the program, we sure do need your help to do this and take the gospel around the world. It's easy to do by going to the website. There's a link there where you can give via credit card or PayPal through PayPal or PayPal account. You can also send a letter with a check mutter order to the address on the screen, or you can call the number that comes up on the screen and someone will take your call. If you don't get an answer, leave a message. We will return your call because we have a limited staff available in the office. God bless you and Happy New Year to you.
I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.